can wash away my sin. Stand with me if you would as we get started. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if you're trusting only in the blood of Jesus 342, then this is your testimony. Only a sinner saved by grace. Amen. 342. Not have I gotten but what I received. Grace has bestowed it since I have believed. Boasting excluded, pride I appease, I'm only a sinner saved by grace, only a sinner saved by grace, only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story, to God be the glory, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Once I was foolish and sin ruled my heart, causing my footsteps from God to depart. Jesus had found me happy my case. I now am a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story to God be I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Tears unavailing, no merit had I. Mercy had saved me or else I must die. Sin had alarmed me, fearing God's face. But now I'm a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story, to God be the glory. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Suffer a sinner whose heart overflows, loving his Savior to tell what he knows. Once more to tell it, would I embrace? I'm only a sinner. Saved by grace, only a sinner saved by grace, only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story, to God be the glory, I'm only a sinner saved by grace. And 
let's turn to 288. A sinner saved by grace, and I would be like Jesus. Amen. 288. Earthly pleasures vainly call me. I would be like Jesus. Nothing worldly shall enthrall me. I would be like Jesus. Be like Jesus, this my song in the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long. I would be like Jesus. He has broken every fetter. I would be like Jesus. Then my soul may serve him better. I would be like Jesus. Be like Jesus, this my song. In the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long. I would be like Jesus on that last that in heaven he may meet me i would be like jesus that his words well done may greet me i would be like jesus be like jesus is my song in the home and in the throng be like jesus all day long i would be like Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being here together. We ask that you would just bless Brother Brinkley in a special way as he presents the burden that you've laid upon him, him and his family to go to the mission field of Scotland. Lord, we ask that you would be with our church and Lord, that you would use this time to remind us of our responsibility and of the great grace that you've already blessed our church with this year in giving to missions. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you enjoyed the 4th of July? I think that's the best thing we've ever done on the 4th of July. And uh, praise the Lord for Brother Ignaldo, I said it right, I think, and uh, that's his first name anyway, and uh, he's the guy that brought all the meat and cooked it, and Brother Dave Brinkley, uh, one of our members helped with the cooking, and uh, all the work, and I'll tell you, that kitchen was cleaned up, and all the tables were put away, and the chairs, and, and uh, you'd never know that we had, oh, it was... I didn't get an exacting count, but it was about 120 people there between all the churches uh, for the picnic and uh, fireworks and and uh, all of that. And so we praise the Lord and uh, for the good time uh, that was there. And um, I, I got the Star Spangled Banner started about three minutes early, but we almost had that thing perfectly timed. And uh, my favorite part was no blah, 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 the commentators. Uh, I just, uh, that wearies me. I don't know about you, but uh, it, it, we were going to, we were trying to open the windows, see if we could let some of the booms drift across the river. Um, but I finally found the window stick, Ted. It was up here in the first pew, which was impossible to find in the dark. So we'll work on that for next year. And... Uh, uh, don't forget we're, uh, I believe Saturday is supposed to be a fairly nice day or is it, and so we're going to try to go out street preaching, pray for a parking spot, start praying now. Uh, we got everything ready Saturday and couldn't find a place to really set up. So, uh, just pray for us about that so that we can, uh, get out there and, and do that. Praise the Lord. The tracks were still, uh, passed out and, and uh, doing the things that we are supposed to do. Amen. And then uh, uh, Sunday will be our regular services. And uh, tonight we have uh, the Russell Brinkley family. And just show you how small a world this is. Uh, Mrs. Brinkley, her father was one of the men that was instrumental 
in helping raise the money for us to buy the building in the state of Texas. And uh, so uh, we, we like having uh, connections there and uh, it's a, a privilege to have them in. They're going to the field of Scotland through the newly formed uh, Global Independent Baptist Mission Board. And uh, uh, now you guys aren't claiming to be the first missionaries through the board, are you? Last time we were here, Brother Lewis was here, and there was another family, I think, and everybody was trying to figure out who the first missionary was. Uh, but uh, I don't believe they're interested who's the first one. They're just interested that they're going. Amen? And so you pray for them, and uh, we'll be singing one more song, and then we're just going to turn the service over to the Brinkleys. And uh, I believe she's going to sing a song for us, give us some testimonies. We've got a, a presentation that we're going to watch tonight, and uh, we need to pray that uh, we can add them to our missionary family. Amen? And so uh, let's sing one more song. Uh, how about uh, 584? 584, Anywhere with Jesus. Amen? Jesus, I can safely go anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him, dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not afraid. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus, I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus, I need fear no ill. Though temptations gather round my pathway still He himself was tempted that he might help me Anywhere with Jesus I may victor be Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go Anywhere with Jesus I am not alone other friends may fail me, he is still my own. Though his hand may lead me over dreary ways, anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus over land and sea. Telling souls in darkness of salvation free Ready as he summons me to go or stay Anywhere with Jesus when he points the way Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go Anywhere with Jesus I can go to sleep When the darkening shadows round about me creep Knowing I shall waken evermore to roam Anywhere with Jesus will be home sweet home Anywhere, anywhere fear I cannot know Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go Amen. You may be seated. Brother Brinkley, the service is yours. Thanks, sir. You're welcome. I'll start by giving a quick word of testimony about myself. And uh, I was not brought up in a home that where we went to church very often. If we ever did go to church, it was to the Church of Christ. And so... Uh, I say very often that I grew up hearing lies about this Bible. They believe that you, uh, part of salvation is uh, baptism. They believe that you can lose your salvation. And so I had heard that stuff growing up. I also heard my dad always say, if it's not Church of Christ, you're going to hell. Uh, he, he really believed that only people that were part of the Church of Christ were going to go to heaven. And everyone else was going to go to hell. And... Uh, as much as he believed that, though, he never had victory in his life over what God wanted to do. He never had victory over salvation. He always questioned whether he was saved. And I never saw him really live the faith that he said he believed. I saw him live out in the world, 
a very sinful and wicked life, and that was the same road that I was headed down. I was serving myself, doing what I wanted to do. I didn't care about God. I didn't care about trying to serve Him, and I was only concerned about myself. A friend of mine introduced me to my wife, Janet, and I uh, started going there to Boulevard Baptist Church in Burleson, Texas, and that was the first time that I heard the gospel and really heard what it was that this Bible really taught. Now, I told you that my dad always said, if it's not Church of Christ, you're going to hell. Well, the devil tried to use that against me, and uh, as I started to go and be convicted by the Spirit, he didn't want me to get saved. He wanted me to keep on living like I was. And so he began to whisper in my ear, if it's not Church of Christ, you're going to hell. So uh, what did I do? Well, I've never claimed to be real smart, but I started going one week to the Church of Christ, and I would go to the preacher there. I'd say, well, the Baptist preacher's telling me this. You know, what do you say about that? So he'd tell me all the reasons why the Baptists were wrong and why the Church of Christ was right. And, and the next week I'd go to the uh, Baptist church, and I'd, her dad was the pastor there at the church, and so that was another set of problems that we had. But um, I'd ask him, I'd say, well, the Church of Christ preacher says this, you know, why is, uh, why is that wrong? And so he'd tell me all the reasons why the Church of Christ were wrong. And before too long, my head was about to explode with all the information they'd given me. I didn't know which way to turn. And uh, so I just I got on my knees and I prayed. And I said, Lord, I want to know the truth. And I really had a hunger in my, in my heart to find out what was right and what was wrong. And uh, as I began to pray, I just started to search the scriptures. And uh, I found the truth. And I accepted the Lord as my Savior at the age of 25. And just wanted to grow from there. I just wanted to serve God. Uh, April of 2001, I surrendered to the mission field. We had a uh, missions conference there at our church. And we had a missionary that was showing his video, like I'll do in just a moment. And as he showed that video, the Lord just spoke to me. I was, we have a balcony, and I was running the sound booth there. And I just, it was like he was sitting there talking to me. And he said, this is what I want you to do with your life. And I knew where he wanted me to go and everything right there. And so I began to pray about that. I didn't make it public. I asked God to do two things, that he would lay the call as a missionary on my wife's heart because I just believed if I was married that he needed to call my wife as well, that we should go as a team, really on the same page. And I also prayed that he would lay the same field on her heart. And so for a year I began to pray about that. I really began to question maybe a little bit whether or not I was right in what I was feeling. But uh, the next missions conference in 2002, she, uh, she came and talked to me and said that she felt like God was calling us to go to the mission field. And I tried to say, well, you know, can I tell you where I feel like God's calling us to go? And she said, I already know it's Scotland. And so God answered both of those prayers. We serve a wonderful God who can do some great things if we'll just give him an opportunity and uh, just trust and have faith in what he can do. Scotland is a field in great need. They're being lied to about what this Bible teaches as well. They're being told that, listen, you, listen, you live however you want to. You do whatever you want to. In the end, everybody's going to go to heaven. They're not being taught about the reality of hell. And if they're not being taught about hell, they can't be being taught about Jesus Christ and what he came to do. So uh, we are looking forward to going over and sharing the same truth that changed my life. I trust that changed your life one day. Uh, one of the slides that you'll see in the video says Sportster Sports Bar. I put that in there because of where we took that picture. Uh, it's just a little idea of how far away from God they've gotten. As we walk through the uh, city of Perth, that's where we feel like God's calling us to go start our first work, uh, we walk past the Church of Scotland. As we are walking past that building, I see that bar attached to the church building. Now, I don't know if you can imagine having a bar here attached to your church, but that's, uh, that's just how far away from God they've got. And they need to hear the truth before it's too late. Um, I've used grace as a theme in our video, and I just ask as you watch the slides and the pictures of the faces there, that you consider where your life would be had it not been for grace. Had God not came to this earth for us and shown grace upon us, we'd have no hope at all. I'll go ahead and show the video. It's the, uh, the other one. 
That's the cemetery where we bought us a plot of land over there so that we can, no, I'm just kidding. He's got to get back to the menu. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Probably eject it and start it over. Go back to the root menu on it. While he's getting that, I guess if y'all have any questions that you uh, would like to ask, uh, I'd be more than happy to try to answer any questions that you have. <laughs> yes, sir. What's the motive for going to Scotland to get people saved and to start churches? Uh, we, my goal is to be a church planner to go over and uh, and and get a church started, train a man to take over and uh, leave it in their hands so that they can start training people from there and hopefully sending them out as well uh, to start churches and go, to, go as missionaries. Uh, we'll, and we'll just continue to do that, start churches all over Scotland, as many as we can until the Lord comes back. So. Hello, my name is Russell. This is my wife, Janet, our daughter, Taylor, our son, Dylan, and we are the Brinkleys to Scotland. Scotland is located in northern Europe and is bounded by the North Sea, the Atlantic Ocean, and England. The population of Scotland is just over 5 million, with the majority of the people residing in the Central Belt. Scotland has become very much like Amazing Grace played on the bagpipes. Without the words, this song, while beautiful, has no meaning. Scotland, while being extremely beautiful, is without the word, and therefore has no meaningful worship. Scotland is known for its breathtaking landscape, dramatic mountain peaks, rocky cliffs, rolling countryside, rock walls, terraced gardens, and quaint little villages with beautiful backdrops. Scotland has a soothing climate with temperatures ranging from the 30s in January to the 60s in July. With a little bit of rainfall each day, it's no wonder the land stays so green and lush. Scotland is abundant with wildlife, sheep, horses, cows, and the Scottish Highland cow called the Heeland Coo. Rugby and soccer are the favorite sports in Scotland. The fishing and farming industries are vital in the Scottish economy. The textile industry thrives today using wool to make kilts representing the many Scottish clans. Contrary to popular belief, the kilt is mainly worn for special occasions such as weddings, parties, and graduation. Unfortunately, for the past 300 years, one of the main industries in Scotland has been the production of whiskey. There are over 100 medieval stone castles, some ruined by clan battles dating back to the 5th and 6th century. Scotland has numerous cathedrals and sacred abbeys where the Scottish kings and queens were crowned. The Scottish crown jewels are kept in the capital city of Edinburgh at the Old Royal Palace, 
where Mary, Queen of Scots, gave birth to future King James VI of Scotland, also known as James I of England. Scotland is a country rich in tradition, legends, and storytelling. Monuments honor King Robert the Bruce, Scottish hero William Wallace, freedom fighter Rob Roy McGregor, and Scottish reformer John Knox. Scotland also honors its greatest literary figures, Robert Burns, Sir Walter Scott, and Robert Louis Stevenson. Scotland is famous for the sighting of Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, in the 6th century, and for St. Andrews, the sacred home of golf, where it has been played for over 500 years. People from all over the world come here to play golf. God's grace is evident in Scotland's appearance. But the people of Scotland lack a true understanding of God's amazing grace. Had it not been for grace, none of us would have the experience of God's joy and peace. Our goal is to take the gospel of Christ to the people of Scotland so they can experience the freedom of salvation. Statistics show that false religions claim more than 90% of the population in Scotland. The influence of Christianity that once thundered in that land has become so faint it can scarcely be heard. The heartbeat that caused great men to stand in the face of persecution and loss of life have waned. That heartbeat that eventually led settlers to a land where they could freely worship God has long since become a thing of the past. But God has placed some men in Scotland who will stand. And now he has asked us to go and serve alongside them for the cause of Christ. And when he saw in full just how much his love would cost, he still went the final mile between. Battles are. 
The thistle has been used as a special emblem in Scotland for centuries. There is an ancient tale of a Scottish castle whose moat was filled with sharp thistles instead of water. When the enemy tried to cross the moat, their shouts of pain awoke the guards, who rushed out and defeated the enemy. We hope to be the thistles in the moat, sent to prick their hearts with the word of God, so the people of Scotland may once again defeat the enemy. We are the Brinkleys, and we are asking for your prayers, support, and if the Lord leads, your presence with us in Scotland. It's my desire to live for Jesus. It's my desire to be just like Him. Though often I my Dude. 
Jesus. I have to carry my bottle of water with me because my allergies, I'm sorry, I apologize for that. I ask if you would turn to, uh, to Jeremiah chapter 1. We'll begin reading there in verse 16 in, in just a moment. But I'd like to ask you a question before we get started tonight. Who likes to be the bearer of bad news? Is that anybody's favorite job in life or your goal in life is to be the one who always has something bad to say? Do you want to be the one that when somebody sees you walking down the street that they just run to the other side of the street to get away from you? I don't think any of us really want to be that person, do we? We want to, in life, we want to be known as, hey, man, this guy's got something good to say. They're fun to be around. They always are encouraging, and we like hearing from them. And really in life, that's what we want to be is someone who's liked by other people. And I think that's why we do some of the silly things that we do really in life is we're just trying to uh, get the acclaim and get the approval of other people. Well, tonight as we look at Jeremiah, I just want you to consider this passage of Scripture and this young man that God used. The message, if you've ever looked at Jeremiah, was one that probably could be considered as bad news, don't you think? You look at what he was told to go and do and, and what God had called him to do, it was probably a message that we would consider by our standards today to be one of bad news. But I want to maybe put a little different twist on that and maybe think a little bit different about what it is that Jeremiah was called to do. Had Judah listened to the message that Jeremiah had, that would have been the best message they'd ever heard in their life. Had they heard the judgment from God and what God said and turned from the wickedness that they were involved in and changed their lifestyle, that would have been the greatest message they'd ever heard. They would have seen God coming back and working in their life again, working in a way that they had not seen for quite a while now. So it would have been a great message. And I think today... We maybe are classified just like Jeremiah, the message that we have. And that's what I'd like to talk about tonight. Jeremiah was called to a task, to go and to tell his people that they were wicked, that they were not pleasing to God, that he no longer had favor on them. Now, how many of you would like to go and tell people that you're close to that message? You're not going to win a whole lot of friends, are you? It's not really where we want to be. Now, that, I believe Jeremiah was a young man, probably in his late teens, maybe early 20s, when God called him to do this. I don't know too many 20-year-old, how would you like to go tell your dad that he's wicked? Now, you probably do it some, but uh, he probably tells you that, right? No. I don't know anybody who would want to do that. If I told him tonight that he needs to go tell his dad that he's wicked and evil and not serving God like he ought to, what did you tell me? <laughs> Maybe I need some medication. You think Jeremiah might have had that conversation with God? Lord, I don't, you got the wrong guy here. I mean, you know, you know who these guys are that you're talking about? I mean, I've been sitting here learning under these men, and I've sat at their feet, and they've taught me, and they've trained me. And you want me to tell them what? Now, consider that as we look tonight in the Word of God. We'll begin reading in verse 16. And I will utter my judgments against them touching all their wickedness, who have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods, and worshiped the works of their own hands. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. 
For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you tonight for the opportunity to stand here, Lord, and proclaim your truth. Lord, I pray tonight that your spirit would move in our midst. Lord, that you would take any distractions away from us. Lord, help us to hear from your word tonight. Lord, I pray that you would convict us of sin. Lord, maybe that we've had unconfessed for some time. Lord, maybe we haven't been living as we ought to. And I pray that your spirit would convict us of those sins tonight. Lord, that we would lay them on the altar before you. Lord, try to be a servant for you. Lord, telling others about the great news that you've given to us. Lord, we love you and thank you for the salvation that you've provided. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Tonight I think about Jeremiah. And I think about this passage of Scripture. Now I was guilty as a new Christian of reading the Bible but not really looking at the words that were there. I don't know if you've ever done that or not. I'm sure you've, you've always soaked in every word that's right there in front of you, right? We get caught up sometimes picking out what we think is important and leaving out the parts that we don't think are important. But what I want to say is that this whole Bible is inspired by God. And every word that He gave us is important to Him. And there's nothing He put in there by accident. And we can learn from all of it. And I think we see that here in this first passage. It says, I will utter my judgments against them, touching all of their wickedness. That word my is an important word. My judgments. See, God doesn't care about my opinion. He doesn't care how Russell Brinkley thinks it could be done better. If I can come up with a better soul winning plan or a better visitation plan or a better church plan or anything. God doesn't care about my opinion. Because I have nothing to say on the matter. He's already sealed it right here. He doesn't need me to add to it. And I think we see that a whole lot today. People adding to the Word of God, trying to do things their own way, in their own power, trying to appease themselves and man and do what they want to do when they want to do it. But God has uttered some judgments against this world. And they are going to come to pass. And people will stand before God and they'll have to bow a knee before Him and he's going to tell them that they're condemned to an eternity in hell based on the decision that they make. What have they done with Jesus? What have they done with him? Well, I'll tell you today, when I go to someone and tell them that homosexuality is wrong, if I go to them and tell them that abortion is wrong, if I tell them that a separated life, that smoking or drinking or going out and partying or dressing wrong, if I tell them that those things are wrong and I just leave it there, I've done nothing but make them mad at me. I've given them nothing that they can stand on and nothing to grab a hold of because my words are dead. But when I take them to the Word of God and I show them what God says about sin and where the Word of God deals with those sins, I've given the Spirit of God an opportunity to work. In order to do that, we have to know our Bible. We have to know where those things are and be in the Word of God so that we can take others there. God says He will utter His judgments against them, touching all of their wickedness. He says here that they had forsaken Him, that they had burned incense to other gods, that they had worshipped the works of their own hands. Today, if that's not a good description of our country that we live in, I don't know what is. But do we see all around us people worshipping the works of their own hands, doing what they want to do, when they want to do it, serving God how they want to, not concerned with whether or not it's true worship, but doing just what they want to do. We see it all, all around us. And it's not just in religion, but it's also in so-called churches. Now, there's some gentlemen out that I, I, I take opportunity to pick on from time to time. I don't know if you're familiar with Joel Osteen or not. He's a one of these uh, wonderful preachers is down there in Texas. He's in Houston. And I just want to give you an idea of what this gentleman has an opportunity to do every Sunday. He has 30,000 people, 30,000 plus, in his service on Sunday. Can you imagine that? I mean, my mind has a hard time wrapping around looking out at a crowd of 30,000 people. Can you imagine going to one of your basketball games here in New York. Go to the Knicks game and look at that whole crowd of people that's crammed in that auditorium, in that, that gym. And that's what you're looking at, just about. 
He has got a crowd that big that he is telling, oh, listen, as he smiles to them, oh, you just do what you want to do. God is good. Now, don't worry about challenging yourself for doing anything. No, <laughs> that's not what God says. God challenges us. He expects us to live different. He expects us to be separated. He had opportunity in the last, within the last couple of months to be on national television on two different occasions. One was on Meet the Press. The other was on Larry King Live. Now, the meeting on Larry King Live, he was there before a national audience. And Larry King asked him point blank, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way that a person can be saved and go to heaven? This man who speaks to 30,000 plus, his response was, I can't answer that. Now, it breaks my heart to think about those 30,000 people that he sits in front of. He's not preaching to them. But that's 30,000 people that are probably going to die and go to hell because they never had a chance to hear the truth. He was also on Meet the Press. And as he sat there at a round table with some other people, he was actually reprimanded by a Catholic priest for not taking a strong enough stand on the Bible. Now, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. A man who sits in front of 30,000 people and he's reprimanded for not taking a, by a Catholic priest for not taking a strong enough stand. Rod Parsley, he's a fellow in Ohio. He stood in front of a national audience, and after he had preached to them, he says, I want to give you an opportunity. If you'll sow your $50 seed to my ministry, asking them to send in $50. He says, I'll make sure that you don't make any bad decisions. I want you to hear, catch what he said. He says, I'll make sure. He didn't say, I'll pray that God will help you or give you guidance. But he says, I'll make sure that you don't make any bad decisions for a year. That's pretty bold. That's what people are being fed. He also said, I'll make sure that you're free from any attacks from the enemy for a year. For $50, he's going to do all that. These people are dying going to hell. They're being fed lies. They have no hope. Nothing to grab a hold of. And what I want you to get tonight is that we have the Word of God. We have what it says in, this next in the next verse. Verse 17, he says, Thou therefore gird up thy loins. What are we to do that with? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Having your loins girt about with truth. We've got it right here, folks. This is the truth. I don't know if you've ever considered this or not. I like being right. I mean, if I'm going to go into a conversation with somebody, I want to be, in a, I want to be on the winning end of it, okay? I want to be right, and I don't think that's pride. I just want to be, you know, if I'm going to do something, let's do it right. I don't want to be wrong. That's why whenever I was faced with Church of Christ or Baptist, I wanted the truth. I didn't want what my dad had told me or what somebody else had told me. I wanted what God expected from me. We have the truth of the Word of God. Do we really believe that tonight? Do we believe that this book is the answer for every problem that this world faces? Can it answer every single desire, problem, heartache? Can it take care of it? You people have opportunity here in New York to see my soul. We went out today and all the masses of people out here every day walking by. And you see people whose lives are broken. And we have the answer for it. We are, but I don't know if you ever thought about this or not, but as independent Baptists, we're more right than any of them. <laughs> I mean, in, in this whole world, we have the answer for what this whole world needs, and we're right. We're right. They can't go to Dr. Phil. They can't go to Oprah Winfrey. They can't go anywhere else and find the answer. We've got it. 
We have the truth. Are our loins girt about in that truth? Have we just established ourselves in truth where we can go and share that with others, tell them the great news that God has for them? Now, I'm assuming y'all are going out doing street preaching here, that y'all are going out in the masses and doing some work, and that's great. There's a lot of work to be done. He says, speaking to them all that I command thee, be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. It's hard to be a witness for God. It is never going to be comfortable, and I want to talk about that attitude that Jeremiah had. Three things that I think helped Jeremiah to be able to push forward and do what God had called him to do. First, I think about fortitude. Fortitude is a strength of mind that says I'll persevere no matter what the trial is in front of me. There was a man named Hugh Glass in the 1800s who was a trapper. And he had gone out with a party of trappers out in the wilderness, in the Rocky Mountains, and they were attacked by a bear. Now, Hugh Glass was the one who was actually attacked. He was mauled by the bear so severely that they were really surprised that he was alive. But he was still alive, and they couldn't just leave him there. So they began to drag him through the wilderness on a cart that they had made, and they were just dragging it through the wilderness. This party was moving too slow, so they said, listen, they they had 200 miles that they were traveling back to a fort. They said, we can't continue to go this slow as a group. So they said, we're going to leave two guys behind to drag him along. They said, listen, when he dies, just lay the body down, leave him there, and you guys come back to the fort. So they began to drag him along. They thought he was dead, laid the cart down. They went their way. He wasn't dead. He rolls off the cart. From the point of death, they thought he was gone. He drags himself along the ground, eating whatever he can find to get some strength. He gets to his feet, and he goes 200 miles back to that fort. That's fortitude. What was his motivation? Revenge. He says, I'm going to kill the two guys that left me here. Isn't that something? 200 miles from the point of death, he goes all the way back to kill two guys that left him out in the wilderness. Well, I want you to think about something else tonight. Our Savior, just imagine him under the weight of a cross, having been beaten so severely he couldn't even be recognized. And he drug himself up that hill and laid down his life for us. That was fortitude. He says, I'll complete my Father's will. I'll not quit this task that my father has called me to. You know what his motivation was? His love. He looked at every one of your faces in here tonight, and you know he looked at every one of the faces of this mass of people in New York, and he looked at every face in America and every face around this world that's ever been born, that ever will be born. He says, I love them. Fortitude pressed him on. He would not quit. How quickly do we give up? Don't we have those days where we just hang up our Christian hat sometimes and say, you know, I just don't know if I can do it today. I just don't know if I can be that real testimony that I ought to be. We have to have fortitude. I also think about compassion. We see it in Christ most definitely, the compassion that he had for the multitudes. You see it in Jeremiah. If you read the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, you'll see how he felt about these people. He loved them dearly. These were people that he had grown up with and spent his life with. And here he has to proclaim judgment against them. And his heart was broken because they wouldn't turn back to God. I talked to the older men in my church and they talk about a time when altars were full of people who would come and they would weep for those who were lost. They were broken and they would cry and they were so concerned and tore up about the fact that they were going to die and go to hell. I don't see that very much anymore today. We get so wrapped up in our own life and what's going on that we don't have time to worry about the person that just walked past us. Are they going to die and go to hell? We don't even give it a second thought, do we? Very often we just walk past them and go on with our own life. We have to have compassion on the masses as we see them today. I think about the last attitude. Verse 19 I think is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. 
one of the greatest promises that God has given to us. And I think that it helped Jeremiah to push through the trials that he was going to face and the hatred that he was going to face and the bitterness from his people. It says, They shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. The last attitude that I want you to consider tonight is invincibility. You look at what this world is flocking to today. What are the movies that are out today? All about superheroes, aren't they? Superheroes with these great powers of invincibility. You can shoot them, set them on fire, drown them, whatever you want to. They can't be beat. And I really think that our world today wants something greater than itself. People are hurting for something that is greater than they are. And you know what? We have it in the God that we serve. God's never been weakened one bit by anything the devil's done. He is still the same powerful God, and he can do great things. He says a couple of things. First, that they're going to fight against us. Who is the they? In verse 18, it says, The kings of Judah, the princes thereof, the priests thereof, and the people of the land. That pretty much covers everybody. And I really, honestly, I believe that this is in direct opposition to what this new charismatic movement is saying today. They, they, I've heard them quoted several times as saying, we're seeing more people today being saved than we've ever seen in the history of Christianity. And that's what they really believe. And that's just a lie. It's not the truth. The masses will not flock to the message that we have. Unfortunately, it's just true. They're not going to flock to it. He says they're going to fight against us, but they shall not prevail against us. We've already won. We have invincibility when we stand behind God. And we have the answer for people's hurts, their heartache, their broken lives. We have an answer for them. But it's depending upon us to go and tell them. They're not going to get it from TBN. They're not going to get it from Benny Hinn. Jesse Duplantis, none of them guys. They're just going to get more sorrow and more heartache. I asked you a question when we started. Who likes to be the bearer of bad news? Today, as independent Baptist, as fundamental Baptist, narrow-headed, hard-headed, can't get along with nobody, these are all things they say about it, about us, isn't it? They say, oh, you guys just use hate speech. You just don't care about anybody. Oh, how could you not accept them with an alternative lifestyle? And this is the things that we hear? They're telling us, oh, you've got a, you've got a bad message. But I'm going to tell you, we've got a message of hope. And we have a message that if they hear it, It'll turn their world upside down. It'll change everything, their whole perspective on life. And I'm going to promise you this, that no person that's truly been saved will ever come up to you and say, I can't believe you told me who I was. I can't believe you showed me the sinner that I was. But instead, they'll come up and they'll put their arms around you and they'll give you a hug and say, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about my soul. Man, I still remember the, my pastor and the preaching and sitting under that and how it broke my heart one day. Is that still fresh in our minds or we just forgot it and packed it away in the closet somewhere? This world needs to hear the hope of Jesus Christ and the great message that he has for them. God's called me and my family to go to Scotland to do this, to tell them about this great man, Jesus Christ, who can change their life and make everything right. He's called you right here in New York, in the area that your pastor leads you to, to minister. He's called you right here. And there is a, no shortage of people. I don't think y'all will ever run out of them here to reach out with this great message that God has. Are we doing our part? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you again tonight for the opportunity to, Lord, stand in this pulpit. 
Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we have no hope without your guidance in our life. Lord, I pray that your spirit again would speak to us tonight. Lord, that you would challenge us to live a separated life. Lord, to be a witness and a testimony for you. Lord, I just pray tonight that you would speak to us and convict our hearts. Lord, for those who are around us that maybe are lost. Thank you for the salvation that you have provided to us. And Lord, what you have so freely given to us, even though we didn't deserve it, you still loved us anyway. Lord, I pray tonight that you would just work in our hearts. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Pastor. Take just a few moments.